All right. Welcome to part two. And we're going to start off like we have with uh, Mandalorian. And I, I have one pet peeve I'm going to start this off with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, so, have you ever wondered why the enemy ships in Star Wars are so long? Hmm. I assume cargo space and to or and or to carry troops was my assumption. Yeah. Well, they, it's it seems they're so long so they can hold all these hallways that they're having gunfights in. Because in this episode, uh, well, we'll get to it, but like so many hallways for for gunfights and lightsaber battles and stuff. And, and it's a, and maybe it's a, a star Wars trope, but for some reason it just irritated me with this episode, <laughs> but okay. So <clears throat> episode three, we start off with the poor razor crest, just kind of limping along. Everybody's taking a nap, baby Yoda looking so cute, sleeping mama frog. It's like, Kung Fu death grip on her egg case and of course Mando's in pilot seat sleeping so the alarm goes off that they're there they've reached the planet and of course it's a hot landing because evidently their the landing system got fried so they had to and and I like the visuals like you see the razor crest going you know from going nose down nose first to um <clears throat> belly first and of course he needs help from mama frog because like you you know hold hold this this lever back <clears throat> um, i'm gonna guess that's the uh the thrust so you know they're they're screaming in to this planet and when you see like when you see where they're trying to land my first thought was is there going to be mon calamari here which there was and of course, the the, rate, the tower controls like Razor Crest. You have to slow down. Razor Crest, you have to slow down. And I can just imagine Din like, "No shit, motherfucker! <laughs> what do you think I'm trying to do?" Hmm. So, so they make the landing. the The reverse thrust kicks in just as they're about to hit the landing pad, and they make a landing, then fall into the water. I thought that was kind of funny. <clears throat> So they they get some kind of crane to pull them out of the water, set them on the dock. They get out. Uh, a Mon Calamari, I guess, dock worker, you know, walks up and is like, uh, "What what can we do for you?" And he's and Din's like, "Can you fix it?" Now, you keep saying Mon Calamari. What is actually up with the Mon? Are they a specific? Because I know there's the Squid Face guys, but the guy on the dock wasn't a Squid Face. So is yeah, there like. Yeah. So if you remember Admiral Akbar. Yeah. 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 yeah their race is called Mon Calamari. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so Din hands the dock worker what turns out to be a thousand credits. He's like, he's like, do what you can with this. Dude takes one. He's like, well, I'll put gas in it if it can still hold gas. And you know, he's looking, and poor Razor Crest got beat to hell. 
and it, <laughs> it's not any better at the end of the episode, but we'll get there. Yeah. And so uh, we uh, we have what we have what happens next. What I call the uh, immigrant reunion story. So Mama Frog is standing on the dock, looking around, you know, talking a little bit of frog. Then, you know, on the other side of the dock, you hear deeper frog, and there's the husband. You know, they run, they hug, you know, they meet, they hug. Husband takes the the egg canister. Din walks up and he's like. You know, I was told you could help me find more of my kind. And so I don't, I hope that, that Mr. Frog wasn't complicit in what happens. He was just honestly thought that, you know, Din could get help from, I, I called them squid faces. Yeah, squid heads. Yeah. Well, we've also been over this. I don't like, uh, when um uh it's like well i have this contact they can tell you and then we get to that contact and that contact like, well i have this contact they can tell you you get to that contact and that contact's like well i got this contact they get that always is suspicious to me every fucking time <laughs> like if you're like why do i have to go through five different people for this right <laughs> like and I know so, a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. You know the people who who talk like that. They're usually in the mob. <laughs> yeah, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. They could get you that. <laughs> they're either mob or like the like the good old redneck boy system, <laughs> or or the old boy system. But anyways, so Mister Frog directs then to I guess the inn on the dock. And it's kind of weird. So when when they walk in, there's the servers like, you know, oh come come sit over here, and Baby Yoda's already there at the mm-hmm. table. Yeah, he's like, uh, let's get our eat uh, on. Well, he's like I mean, food, yeah, food, food. <laughs> baby, Yoda. <laughs> baby Yoda is all there is. Like food, food, food. Oh yeah, and also on the when they're on the dock, there's the I call her the ominous hooded hot chick. Oh yeah. So like, so I'm not. I don't know where what she's gonna what play or was that was that one of the uh, Mandalorians? That was she one was of the wearing, Mandalorians. She was just wearing the cowl. Okay. That was one of the Mandalorians. Okay, that makes sense then. So Din gets a glimpse of her, but then of course you have that um, the uh, trope where a group of people walk by and then she disappears. So they go into the inn. Baby Yoda's there, ready to eat. And server sits him down, and uh, he's like, what do you want? And Den's like, a bowl of chowder for the child, nothing for me. And he's like, look here, buddy. These seats cost money, so, you know, you got to – he's trying to get him to eat. But um, I don't know if it was, like, Mon Calamari currency he pushed over. He's like, uh, I was told I could, you know, you could help me find people of my kind. So he takes them, puts the chowder in Baby Yoda's bowl, and immediately turns over to start talking to a squid head. And while they're doing that, <laughs> you see Baby Yoda with the spoon leaning over the bowl, looking like he's ready to chow down. And then a fucking tiny squid 
face hugs him. Well, no, he was le- he was leaning down and looking at it because he was poking at it. And he was like, "What the fuck is this?" And then all of a sudden, the thing jumps out and wraps around his face like a like a face hugger. And he's all like, "Ah, ah!" And then like, "Don't play with your food." And grabs your- it, throws it back in, and then he like pokes at it again. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny. And it so was. while 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 this is happening, you hear the server talking to the squid head. It's like he's asking more about his kind. You know, this, this, and that, wearing Beskar armor. And all this all this time I'm like, oh, this is sus. So very sus. And it was very sus. Yeah. Okay, so I do have to state, and sorry for interrupting, but that's fine. People, I've been hearing that this season wasn't really as good as the first season. And the more I'm watching of it, the more I think I'm starting to understand why people are saying that. Because it seems like Din's decision-making is going downhill for the plot. Like, (laughs) why would you... Like, from get-go, ever since he's gotten his new Besker armor, everyone has been trying to take it from him. Like it, I think it was what the first episode when he goes to uh, when he goes to talk to that one dude about trying to find more of his kind, and the guy tries to take the best, it tries to get him to do the bet in the uh, pit fighting, and he tries to get him to mm-hmm. do the bet. He's like, "Well, how about this? You bet on one dude, I'll bet on one dude. If you win, I'll give you the information. But if I win, I get all your new shiny Besker armor." Everyone has been trying to get that armor off of him. You think he would be wary of everybody? Nope. He's like, nah, this seems all on the up and up. Let's say, yeah, yeah, let's see. I'm not going to be on guard. I'm not going to, nothing. And I'm just like, oh, god damn it, man. <laughs> right. And so Squidhead comes up and he's like, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take you to your kind. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go on my ship. Still, still that sus alarm is going off in the back of my head. And so they're on the ship, and you know they're they're doing fishing or whatever. And uh, the dude's like, uh, "You ever seen a, a a wild? Was it a? You ever seen a mama core eat or something?" He's like, "You know, get up closer. Yeah, get up closer. Let the kids see it too. Yeah, get on in now." <laughs> <sighs> and so they drop a bunch of fish into like it's a like it's a tank in the middle of the ship. That's, that's holding this giant fucking thing. They drop fish in, the water starts roiling. It's like, oh, must have been hungry. You know, we haven't, we didn't feed her because we docked in, and then he just smacks Baby Yoda's floating baby carrier into the water, and the Mama Core eats it. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, like, oh, yep, that was sus, very sus. So Din jumps in, they throw the, they uh, throw the gate shut, and they're trying, and, and this is, I couldn't get this and, I, and I'm going to assume you're going to say it's because of plot like like they're trying to, to stab Din wearing this damn near uh, impenetrable armor with like fishing spears like what like we've seen this armor take blaster fire and nothing happened to it but why do they think well no stabbing it with Sorry, uh, it, it's it's not that they're trying to actually stab and kill him. What they're trying to do is push him back under the water. They're trying to they're trying to drown him. Right, and then so I get that, but then later 
when you know we're interacting with the other Mandalorians and one of them puts the helmet on, you hear air like the air sealing sound. Maybe his or, Beskar armor doesn't so, have it. That's that dude, I, I don't know. Um <laughs> right. It, like it, it does seem it, like there aren't enough times where we've seen him go underwater to know if his particular armor has uh uh has that because he even his new Beskar armor is in the same style and function as his original armor. So I I all I can say is that hers has that feature and his doesn't which is probably what will be said is that hers has that feature and his doesn't. Um, My biggest issue with this entire thing is so baby Yoda's cradle you clearly see it close up around him to protect him when the thing comes up and grabs it, right? Mm -hmm. Why the fuck did Din jump into the water after him? That was, we have seen Din make some of the best decisions possible in some of the, in worse situations than this. And I'm going to hearken back to the uh, crate dragon, right? We've seen him make so many good decisions in, in the heat of a really shitty situation. What his decision should have been is, well, these guys can't actually stop me. <clears throat> What I need to, his decision should have been kill all of the squid faces, then jump in and get baby Yoda. Now, he's going to have to be precise and quick about it, but what is Din if not precise and quick about shit? Uh, you would think. But no, he, <laughs> he literally throws the dude off and then he immediately just jumps into the water and then comes back up because he can't stay underwater for long and I was like dude did you think they were just gonna wait and see what happened (laughs) like (laughs) what are you doing that was the part that was I was like no this is plot this is so that the Mandalorians can come in and save him and then there is a like a life debt owed so he feels obligated to help them do whatever it is they wanted to do. That's what that was about. Because he should not have made the decision to jump in after Baby Yoda immediately. He should have killed everybody on that fucking ship and then jumped in. Or at least, like, I didn't, or at least disabled the cage mechanism so they couldn't lower the damn cage on top of him. It was. It was literally the stupidest <laughs> decision to make in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like Gerald said, uh, three Mandalorians show up, make quick work of, of the squid, of the squid heads. And, uh, they, they pulled Din out and Din's like, save the child, save the child. So, uh, so it's two female and one male Mandalorian. So the second female dives in, you see like blaster fire happening underwater. She, and, and this one is another thing I don't get unless it can be explained away. So she, she comes out of the water holding the, the, the baby carriage, lands, puts it down, then rips one of the sides off to take baby Yoda out. Now, if it was, 
damaged because the mama core bent it or something, I could see that. But just to immediately set it down, rip one side off, and then hand the baby to him. Well, it was like, damaged. Uh, when it comes up and you see it, the right side is crumpled in. It was damaged. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that so that happens. And then thanks, you know, he's starting to thank them. And then all three of them take their helmets off. And then he defaults to the where did you get that armor? Yeah. Now for now for the for the listeners, those of you who have not watched Clone Wars, you might not know. The the main wo- the main woman from the, the Mandalorian trio is Bo Katan, who is the rightful heir to Mandalore. And there, there's some lore that happens in Clone Wars that, uh, if you know it, it helps you understand better this episode. So he's like, you know, where did you get that armor? It's like, uh, this armor's been in my family for three generations. And it's like, so I'm Bo-Katan, you know, this, this, and this. And uh, Den's not having any of that. So he, you know, baby Yoda in hand, flies off. And he lands back at the dock, and we see, you know, off in the distance, the ship getting, you know, blown up, and then the three Mandalorians flying away. So he's walking, you know, along the dock in a crowded, you know, area crowded with containers. So another bottleneck, of course. And uh, here comes some other squid heads. And is like, you know, hey, you killed my brother. And then I'm like, an honor killing shit, really? But then here come the Mandalorians again. And Bo-Katan's like, no, he didn't. I did. And they just lay waste to to all the rest of the squid heads. And then she's like, you know, can I at least buy you a drink? So they're back in the inn, I guess. And, you know, they're talking and... um Din's like, well, you know, I was hoping, you know, you would help me find, you know, his kind by the code. And we also find out, and this is another thing that if you've seen Clone Wars, you you understand it. She calls Din a child of the watch, which is, she says, it's like a a super zealous religious sect of Mandalorians, Mm -hmm. which I guess part of their crazy religious thing is you never take your helmet off. So that's why he hasn't, but they do. And so she's like, well, I can help you, but you need to help me first. So of course, someone who knows someone who knows someone, and now Din's got to, you know, put some skin in the game to get the answer he's looking for. (sighs) And so he, he, he finds the, the frog family and he's like, you know, can you watch the, can you watch the child while I take care of something? And they're, and they're nodding their heads and then looks at baby Yoda's like, mind your manners, you know, you know, be nice. And what I'm, what I'm hearing him say is don't fucking eat any more All eggs, right. especially in front of them. Don't be a child, child. <laughs> Right. What's that? Oh. 
some kind of sports ball happening. So uh, that, that's the wife coming home and complaining about the cat who um, is trying to pull the wool over our eyes, pretending that she hasn't been fed, acting like a starving, starving child and pouting when she doesn't get her way. <laughs> Feeding chart time, evidently. <clears throat> All right, so... They make so they make the plan that there's, you know, that there's there's Mandalorian weapons on this Empire transport ship, and they have to get those, and you know, basically rescue those from the Empire. So, what they have to do is fly up to the ship while it's still you know engaging port speed because it, it can't go faster than you know X amount of meters per second while they're still in port, and they can't you know, go up into the atmosphere until they've left. The point. Mm -hmm. So, oh, and, and I love the thing where uh, Din asks, well, is it going to be guarded? And Bo-Katan's like, eh, probably just a squad. Not, not, not more than that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Heard that before. So, um, I mean, right. So, you know, unless a because my understanding of a squad having been in the military is like 10 people at the max. Mm -hmm. Like my squad had five, six people in it. So, you know, they, they land on the ship. They're taking out the stormtroopers there. One of them hits the alarm. And I don't know what it was about the, the main Imperial commander that's, you know, sitting in, standing in the cockpit. He just, to me, it looked like he knew something was up, but wasn't saying anything about it. And so we have our first hallway gunfight. And they're, you know, they're taking out the stormtroopers and they're going to the cargo area. So the commander in the cockpit tells the commander in the cargo area, you know, we have a problem, take care of it. So the stormtroopers, you know, start start shooting. And this idiot commander, I guess, gets a gets a yellow streak in him and tells one of the stormtroopers to lock the doors. Which ones? All of them. So he locks all the doors, and he thinks he's safe. So he, he radios back up to the cockpit. It's like, we've got the situation taken care of. They're, you know, they're trapped. Tra where? In the cargo control area. 
And then the, <laughs> and then the commander in the cockpit's like, in the what? The cargo. Yeah. Everybody's out the out the cargo bay. <sighs> and then we find out that Bo-Katan wants more than just the weapon. She wants the ship, and she wants information. And Mando's like, that wasn't part of the deal. She's like, well, it is now. This is the way. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. so there's another hallway gun battle. The commander radio you know, calls uh, Moff Gideon, uh, saying, "You know, we we have a problem. Send help." I have a question. They, they've got. Uh, mm-hmm. like I've heard, like moth. What? There's another moth. Moth. Uh, moth. Uh, yeah, I've heard moth. This moth. That is that a designation of station? It's a okay. Rank. Moth yeah. is an actual rank. Gotcha. Okay, that's that's the information I was yeah, missing. Like, uh, yeah, like in the original series, it, uh, Tarkin was a grand moth. So I guess think of moth like a. Uh, a general or admiral, and then Grand Moff would be like the five-star general of, you know, everything. Gotcha. And so the, the commander's like, well, they've got everything but the cockpit. And Gideon's like, well, then they pretty much have the entire ship. You know what to do. And uh, the commander's like, yes, sir. And Gideon's like, long live the Empire. So, <sighs> Gideon's a fucking dick, yeah. Well, put it that way. So, the, so this commander kills the two pilots, and he's gonna takes control and he turns the ship around to crash it into the water. <laughs> but the Mandalorians get there in time. Uh, Din and the uh, light skinned Mandalorian girl take the the controls to pull the ship, you know, back out of its diving speed. Meanwhile, Bo-Katan has the, uh, the Imperial commander, you know, up against the wall with the wrist blade to his, you know, to his face. Like, I want to know where it's at, you know, and she's, she's looking for the dark mm-hmm. scene, which was, which we see at the end of season yep. one. And Moth get with Moth Gideon. And of course, Right. And the the Darksaber, you find out about that in both Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. So, yeah, so that happens. And then so he's like, you know, if I tell you I'm dead anyways, and then activates a suicide device that I guess is in one of yeah, his teeth. The, the old cyanide then, cabinet uh, <laughs> uh, tablet, the old cyanide yeah, tablet. Yeah. yeah. Why do I keep saying cabinet? So that <laughs> cyanide <laughs> tablet. That's what I was trying to say. And so, so that's done. They've they've stabilized the ship, and you know she's like, "Oh no, we're not landing. We're we're taking this ship and taking the fight to them." And Den's like, "Well, uh, I have to. You know, I've been quested to take the child." this and this and so this is where we find out finally I guess until you know Ahsoka Tano has knows someone who knows someone but 
Bo-Katan's like, okay, well, uh, you go find Ahsoka Tano on such and such planet, tell her Bo-Katan sent yeah. you. <laughs> and Din takes off, and so I don't, I don't know if this was intentional, but when, uh, when Din gets back to get Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda's petting, like, one of the tadpoles hatched, and I guess now it's, like, tripled in size, and it's in a mm-hmm. bowl of water. And, and the mama frog is doting over it, and Baby Yoda's petting it. And was it just me, or did he look hungry when he was petting that tadpole? Uh, at first, I was like, oh, he's gained an appreciation, <laughs> and he's, like, playing with the little tadpole. But when... um Din comes back and picks him up. He's like, no, no, no. He's like fighting not to go. And I'm like, oh, he was going to eat that tadpole. <laughs> he was going <laughs> to fucking eat that tadpole, the little fucker. Right. So that happened. So, you know, he, I need to stop saying so that happened. So Din's back on the dock. And he's looking at the razor crest and I was trying to find a tactful way to put it. But the, so he, he looks over to the Mon Calamari and he's like, I gave you a thousand credits. And then you see the ship and the way I described it is it looks like a tourist trap. So like if you've ever gone to the beach and you go to like one of those uh, beach stores and they've got fishing nets on the wall, you know, the, the door is like inside the mouth of a shark kind of, this Mon Calamari turned the Razor Crest into a tourist trap. Fishing nets and shitty plating and everything. It just it just looked tacky. Worse than when it <laughs> tacky, yeah. But it also kind of looked worse than when it he first landed as well. So <laughs> and he gets in the cockpit and he sits down in the chair and he's like, Ugh, Mon Calamari. Oh, and then there's another thing I noticed. Um, I guess it's a, a, a swear term because uh, Din said it and Bo-Katan said it. Dank Farrick. I guess that's a like saying damn it or, or something mm-hmm. without swearing. I could assume. I didn't pay too much notice to it. So, Well, also, I, as, I've, as I've done since, you know, teenage years, I've watched stuff with subtitles on. So, so they're taken off, and then all of a sudden, this kind of squid spider crab thing crawls up from behind a, uh, a a panel, and is climbing up the, the the rope. And you know, of course, you know, Baby Yoda left without having you know a tadpole snack, so he's kind of looking at it, and it's inching its way closer to him. Mm-hmm. And then you, I get, I say spider-like thing because when you see through its uh, vision it looks like it has eight eyes so it launches itself at baby yoda and of course then from the from the front reaches back grabs it and then i think he stabbed it with a knife no he just grabbed it and then they're taken off and then you see baby yoda slurping the rest of the tentacles you know into his mouth end of episode mm. so there's that all in all good episode but i'm Thoughts. i'm starting to question uh, Din's decision making <laughs> at times. Yeah. 
starting to see the cracks as you well, like it's to not, say. that was the only real thing that was a big issue it's like dude why would you jump directly in after like baby yoda has some time right um Baby Yoda has time. It is protected within the uh, baby carriage that you basically made for him. Take the couple of seconds to fucking get rid of the bigger threat. Because even if he gone down there and killed the things and gotten Baby Yoda out of that, he's trapped in there. And they were just going to literally if the other Mandalorians hadn't shown up, not only had he not gotten baby yoda out of the thing's mouth he was about to be drowned he would have been dead if the other mandalorians hadn't shown up like and i can't see din making that kind of decision like i feel like din would be like okay i've got like maybe 15 20 seconds to murder all of these assholes and get down there and get yoda out of that thing's mouth before he probably either drowns or is killed and then he would have, or, or you know, or runs air. out of air. And then he would have taken the 10 to 15 seconds to put a blaster bolt in between all of those assholes' eyes. And then he would, then he would have jumped in and tangled with the thing to get Baby Yoda back. But I, I, it just wasn't sound judgment. <laughs> mm. Mm. Next episode's a little bit better. I have to rewatch it though. Do we meet uh do we meet Ahsoka Just, in the next episode? Oh well, no. god damn it. But there uh there is someone else, someone who's been very hated on Twitter. Oh, Kara shows up. Okay, that's yep. good then. I'm not in any hurry to see Ahsoka Tano, even if she is being played by uh Rosario Dawson. Like, I don't like the character, but I figure the quicker we get that over with, the quicker we can move past her. <laughs> mm, maybe. We'll see. So anything else before uh, we move really. on? Not really. Uh, it, 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 it was a good episode. I'm not saying it was a bad episode. It was a good episode. I had no issues with it except for uh, the only issues I had with it was the decision to not kill all of the threatening assailants before he went, after, it went in after baby uh, Yoda. And then the fact that he was not on guard in the first place when dealing with those guys. Like, it, it made no sense to me. Um, you're walking around in apparently what is a fortune in armor. Like, it, it, that would be like somebody walking around in a full European style set of armor made out of gold and silver with platinum trimming. And then doing it in Boston. Right? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Actually, there's a. Good. There's a tie-in. There's a tie-in. I can I can equate that to. So there's uh, there's some rapper, uh, little young Uzi something. He got a dermal anchor, a twenty four million dollar diamond. Oh, I saw that. I was gonna actually bring that in my week, but I was I I saw it because they were saying that he got it put in his head, kind of like uh some anime character. Oh, Vision. Vision. Yeah, like Vision. Yeah, I saw that article. I was like, that's fucking stupid. 
What a fucking that's some rich people shit. <laughs> That's some fucking rich people shit. Like it's not like it. it, It's not like he he got like a fake diamond or anything. It's an actual real diamond worth millions of dollars, and he got it put into his fucking forehead. Cause I was like, yeah, that's some rich. That is some fucking rich people shit. (laughs) But I'm supposed to feel. But if some shit happens, I'm supposed to feel sorry for him. Fuck you. <laughs> so you could equate that. So Din wearing this shiny new best car armor is like this guy, say, walking down uh, a street in Queens with a $24 million diamond yeah. stuck in his forehead. How, how does he think that's not oh, going if, to end? If he that, is like, not... 24-7 surrounded by security, he gonna get robbed. There's no way he is not gonna get robbed. He gonna have people driving from like three, four states over to concerts to try to rob his ass. He gonna get robbed. There have been rappers who have gotten robbed for less. He gonna get robbed. <laughs> for shoes. No, no, but this guy's got a $24 million diamond right in his forehead. Somebody going to be making bank like, off a of As DMX hands. said, if you <laughs> flaunt it, you must not want it. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, I, I could I could make that that real real life, you know, from story to real life, that that's what you're talking about. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, it, it it was a good episode. Uh, <clears throat> Din's decision making is, eh. I'm starting to get eh. Like, uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I do think that there's tart. There, I do think they're getting a little like I don't know what's going on with the writers, but it does feel a little bit like they are struggling to find things for him to do. Because he's not doing his normal bounty hunter thing. There are so many stories they could do if he was just doing normal bounty hunter jobs. But because he's going around looking for information just to return Baby Yoda back to you know others of his kind, it some episodes feel aimless. Like the Mandalorian showing up mm. was just more of a coincidence than anything else. Because if they didn't want to be found, they probably wouldn't have been found. Um, and he didn't find them, they found him. So it it feels like the episodes are becoming a little aimless and that they're trying to find their, they're they're trying to find something else to, they're trying to find things to make the show interesting. Um, so we'll see how the rest of the, uh, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. I hope they find it again. Um, because in the first season, he, just him chasing down Baby Yoda and getting Baby Yoda and then getting Baby Yoda back to the guys, that was a big drawn-out adventure that was really you know exciting and interesting to watch. Because he's like doing his job, and then he gets Yoda, and then he goes back, and he's starting to you know feel emotions for this child, and it's going back to when he wasn't when his family was killed and the 
the uh, Mandalorians took him in as an orphan. And so that was all really interesting stuff, you know, friends becoming enemies, then those enemies becoming friends again. And like, you know, uh, bringing in these new characters, but now we're in, we're basically in post of all of that, right? We're like in the eulogy kind of of that. So it feels like they are having a bit of trouble giving him a, I mean, he has a purpose. He's trying to find baby, but, but making, yeah, that, that, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. That, that, yeah, it's meandering. It's, it's meandering. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll see there. Um, for those who have already seen Mandalorian, there is a uh, hell of a uh, <clears throat> last episode cameo that I know about. So I'll be, uh, <clears throat> I'll be very interested to watch that for the last episode. Well, let's uh, go ahead and um, mosey on over to episode eight of Hannibal. This was an exciting episode. I enjoyed it. Like all in all, anyway. Um, Let's see. So in this episode, Will is still... uh, basically dealing with his hallucinations he's hearing things that aren't there he was hearing uh what sounded like a dog a dog um and the dog was basically in pain the, the, the sound dogs make when they're in pain or they're in distress and so he goes looking for the dog across the street out in the big uh out in like the i guess the big sort of just open I don't know what to call it field field yeah field. out in the big field across from his house and he doesn't find anything right um and then uh <laughs> once he doesn't find anything there we have uh Dr. Bloom coming over to his house because he woke up in the middle of the night because he heard it again in his chimney so he got a hammer and he ripped open his chimney and she's <laughs> like so did you, he's like so uh, she she asked him about it right and he's like well i heard it in the chimney um and he's like i got it open and of course uh you know i got it open and uh it was gone by the time i got, it got out you know by the time i got it open and uh he uh, then he goes and he's like you, and he also brings up the point that I brought up when he was back in the hospital when Abigail was still in the show, um, and uh, mm-hmm. he brought up the uh, question that she's always been very uh, particular about making sure about making sure. Uh, She's always been very particular about making sure that she does not, she's not in the same room as him uh, alone. And he basically said, uh, and then she's like, well, apparently I wasn't that. uh, Oh, what was it? What was it that? How did she say it? He pointed it out and she was like, apparently I wasn't that smooth, smooth. 
And she was like, apparently I wasn't that smooth about it, if you noticed. And he gets close, and they kiss. And and uh, and we always thought that, yeah, there was something there. And he kind of questions her a little bit about it. And, and uh, she's like, you know, I can't, we can't do this because I'm a psychiatrist and I can't turn it off. And this kind of relationship doesn't work because I'm always going to be psychoanalyzing you. Um, and she doesn't say it in those exact words that comes later because as soon as that happens and she basically rejects it, well, she doesn't like reject him. It is obvious that she is interested in him and interested in the relationship. She just knows it's bad for both of them. So she turns him down. It's, it's really not a rejection. It's just, no, this is bad. This is just bad for both of us. So she turns him down. So he then immediately goes to talk to Hannibal about it. And Hannibal had been having more sessions with his patient, Franklin, which is the larger guy who is try- who was trying to be his friend. And Hannibal's like, I'm, I'm not your friend. I'm your psychiatrist. That's the way that it has to be strictly professional. And he starts talking about his friend, Tobias. We come to find out that Tobias is also a serial killer, and his his special thing is that he he basically killed a guy and used his vocal cords to play like a violin, and he also, I believe, used the guts of someone to make violin strings because they go through this. Yeah, they go through yeah, this whole goes, scene you know, of someone cutting someone open, taking out their entrails, cleaning them out, uh, tanning them, and then turning them into strings for a wood instrument. Um, so <laughs> it was interesting to see. Uh, let's jump in right quick. It was interesting to see how he changed so quickly from the last time well, we who? saw him. Well, no, he didn't change. Uh, he was st- he was still the same dude. Well, like, well, maybe I'm trying to say like his expression. Like he, when when I saw him last, he seemed to be okay. Now in this in this episode, he's like fucking no, crazy. He was still the same calm, emotionless person. Um, what got me though? Is as we go, so basically, once Franklin brings up, because basically he's, he talks about how Tobias at one point says, well, maybe I'll just kill them and make violin strings out of them. And he goes like, psych, just kidding. And that's how Franklin explains it. And so, uh, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, what should I do? Should I report this to the police? And he's like, do you believe you should? And he's like, I feel like I, I should. Because I I went on Google because it's like why he was like why would he why would he say that to me and so he he's like <laughs> I went on Google and I looked at you know all the things to look for in like a a sociopath serial killer and I was surprised by all the boxes I was checking and so I think Tobias <laughs> might have been the one who killed that uh, performer and. So Hannibal, I believe, and this is more Hannibal manipulating the situation, he says things in such a way that make Franklin hesitate to call the police about it and, and doesn't say – and so Franklin doesn't say anything. Then Hannibal goes to visit Tobias, 
and uh, quick he he quickly goes about letting Tobias know that they are similar, and Tobias uh, and then he invites Tobias over for dinner. So they sit down, they're eating, and they start talking, and it's just one serial killer to another talking, right? And Tobias is like, "Well, I was gonna kill you." And then I realized you were like me. And I realized that I did want a friend, someone who was like me and who viewed the world like I did. Um, and apparently Tobias had followed Hannibal one night on one of his kills without mm-hmm. Hannibal actually knowing. <laughs> because when Tobias first met Hannibal, he recognized another another serial killer. Like, he recognized it. So... um. Hand, and then Hannibal is like, you know, you want dessert. And he's like, so what are you going to, he's like, and he's, and Tobias is like, you invited me here because you're also looking for a. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hmm? I am. Uh, nothing. Uh, just Nick. Um, so. So he then uh he then um mm, trying to thought. Uh Tobias is like, Well, why'd you invite me over? Because of course I assumed, you know, you wanted a friend too, correct? And Hannibal was like, No, I was planning on killing you too. And then they just sort of stand there looking at each other. And there was a part of the conversation. This is what got me about <laughs> Tobias that was weird is Hannibal was like, when you draw attention to yourself, you also will possibly draw attention to me. That's what I don't want. And Tobias was like, well, I already know what will happen. You know, the Mm. police have found the body. They will realize that, you know, someone was playing his vocal cords, like, you know, the strings of a cello or the strings of a wood instrument. Or no string instrument. Sorry, I said wood earlier, but no, uh, they are wood instruments, but they're considered string instruments. So uh, he was playing them as a string instrument, and uh, they since I'm the only string instrument, you know, in town, um, because uh, one of the, the reasons they would go to any places that had string instruments in town is because the victims' vocal cords were treated with a chemical that is used to treat core uh the string cords on string instruments so they would he expected them to make that connection and then come to his shop and then he was like and then i'll kill them and then i'll kill franklin and then i'll disappear and i was like but they have no proof you could not (laughs) do that and just lay low in your shop for a while and they literally can't trace it to you they have no evidence at this time that can in any way link them to you. But you're just gonna... And he's like, well... So then they do the confrontation where Hannibal was like, oh, I was going to kill you. And then they're looking at each other and then the doorbell rings. And he's like, expecting company? And Hannibal's like, no. And so he goes to answer the door and it's Will right after his kiss with Dr. Blue. And they go back into the room, and Tobias is gone. 
And he's like, well, it's fortuitous that you came, Will. Um, I guess had to leave abruptly, and we are, which means, and I made dessert for two. And so he makes Will dessert, and they talk about the kiss between him and Dr. Bloom, how he also knew it was bad, so why did he do it? And it's like, and, and, and this is where we get into a very human co- conversation, and I also recognize this in people, is even when you know something is bad for you, you still have the urge to do it. And there aren't many people who can know, who can say no to that urge, right? And the urge can become very incessant, especially if you're constantly running into the source of it. So I, I absolutely get that. Like, I understand it. But it's a very mature way to go, yeah, I know, but this is just bad for me. This is bad for me. It's bad for the person involved or persons involved or whatever. And I just need to. No. No matter how much I may want to, no. That's a very mature and strong will thing to do. Um, and it's difficult. Not everybody can. Um, so he's like asking Will, he's like, well, you knew it was bad for you. She knew it was, but you did it anyway. Why? And really, it, and and I was thinking this before he said it, but it was because he when in the scene where he's looking at the chimney and she's looking, you can see this is very good on the actress and how well she can act because you can see the fact that she didn't believe him that there was an animal in the chimney. And so he brings that up and he's like, because I knew she didn't believe she, because I knew she knew there was no animal in that chimney that I am hallucinating and I'm starting to lose it. And I did it simply as a random way to break the tension to 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 change the subject you know whatever right um and then hannibal tells him about his suspicions it tells him about franklin talking to him about his suspicions about tobias and you would think that would break uh confidentiality but it actually doesn't when it comes to an actual crime um, so he tells Will about that right. and Will immediately sets off, like gets up, leaves, immediately contacts John. They immediately go, he immediately goes to Tobias' shop, um, confronts Tobias. He starts hearing the noise again, goes outside, doesn't see anything, realizes he's hallucinating, takes his meds, which was weird because the moment he put his meds in his mouth, the sound stopped. It immediately stopped it. That's not how that works. So, right? But that made me think, okay, so are the drugs actually working? Or does he just think they're working? Are they a psychological comfort? Are they like a cycle? Is it like a psychological switch for him? I I put the meds in my mouth. They're supposed to do this thing. So my brain then goes, oh, well, we stop. Because they're supposed to make it stop, right? So it's not that the medicine is actually doing anything. Because it's having an effect way before it should be having an effect. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, So that brings up a whole host. That brings up more questions, actually. But he goes back into the shop. And both the police officers have been killed. Like, 
And this is this was the thing about what how Hannibal did this is that Tobias can't even be sure that it was Hannibal who sent the police because Tobias himself said he expected them to figure it out for them to investigate him at his shop. And then he was just going to kill them and then he was going to kill Franklin and then he was going to disappear. <laughs> so you, he can't even say it was Hannibal who told who said anything. Um. So then we get to Will following and trying to find the other officer. There were two officers with him. He finds one dead with what looks like some part of an instrument jammed into the back of his neck. Um, and then the other one he finds downstairs in a dungeon-like area with his face wrapped in in uh in instrument string in the actual string. And face down in water. Like even if the string hadn't killed him, he he had drowned. He was dead. And I the ent- the entire time Will is checking these officers. I'm like, dude, put your back to a wall. Don't let don't just leave your back open. You don't know where this guy is. If he's still in here, the one officer you're looking at was obviously attacked from behind. Don't just kneel down and leave your back open. What are you doing? Um. And then he does it again with the second officer. And as soon as he puts the second officer down, that's when he gets attacked by Tobias. And Tobias almost gets him, but he gets his gun. Uh, Tobias tries to strangle him with uh, the uh, with the cello strings. Yeah, with the cello cords. And he gets his gun in between them and his neck, so he's able to kind of fend him off a little bit. And then he inches his gun into a firing position behind him and is able to shoot Tobias in the ear. But then Tobias runs away and gets away. Um, oh, I also didn't point out the fact that when Will is going through the crime scene and he's doing, he's looking through the killer's eyes at the crime scene, he sees, uh, and this is the reason I brought up Abigail again, too, because he sees Abigail's dad in the crowd clapping. Huh? Or Hobbs, Hobbs. Hobbs. Yeah, I said Abigail's dad, Hobbs, yeah. yeah. Uh, he sees Hobbs in the crowd as the only uh, spectator clapping while he's playing the dead guy's vocal cords. And I was like, oh, you are just never going to get over that, are you? This is this is ugh. this is going to become a fulcrum of of your problems. Um, so then we get to Tobias showing up at Hannibal's practice while he's in a session with Franklin. Franklin tries to basically talk Tobias down, and. I, I, dude, I swear, mm-hmm. the more Franklin talked, trying to talk Tobias down, like, I understand, and I know you feel sorry for what you did, but there's nothing you could do. I swear, the angrier I saw Tobias getting, <laughs> he's just like, oh, I'm gonna kill you so hard. Mm-hmm. And, like, <laughs> and then Hannibal just comes up behind <laughs> Franklin, snaps his neck. And my first thought was like, wow, that takes an insane amount of strength to just snap a dude's neck like that. Because it wasn't even like he had his forearm around his neck and then, no, he just grabbed Franklin by the sides of his head and just twisted. Yeah, no, that's not how that works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's like uh, one of those lovely movie tropes. Yeah, Just and Tobias is like, I quick. was really looking forward to that, and Hannibal's like, well, I saved you the trouble, and then, and then we have this big <laughs> fight between Hannibal and Tobias, and the entire time I was like, I need a name for this because I kept thinking back to South Park when um two of the cripple characters get into a fight and Cartman's like, cripple fight! And I was like, oh, serial killer fight! And I was, and I was like, and then I, I finally came up with murder fight. It was the best I could come <laughs> up with. I was like, murder fight! <laughs> and they're sitting here doing like, fucking, and I'm like, dude, are these guys like, like, uh, did they take some form of martial art because they're like sitting here doing all these moves and they're knocking each other this way and hitting each other that way and then it looks like Tobias gets the upper hand and he's like kneeing Hannibal in the face and then he he like pushes him up against a ladder and then he goes to punch Hannibal and Hannibal dodges and grabs his arm and breaks it in the ladder and then he uh uh let's see oh okay so I'll, I'll I'll take it from here. So, uh, so Hannibal breaks Tobias's arm, but Tobias ain't having that shit. So he's got one arm dangling. Yeah, he's just there's unfortunately nothing he can do at this point. And at, and at this, right. So at this point, Hannibal blocks and then throat punches Tobias. Like a it was a, a Bruce Lee. It was like a Bruce Lee type, like you, you block an attack at the same time. Got Tobias in the throat. He's, he collapses trying to breathe. And then that's when Hannibal pulls out his handkerchief, you know, flips it, gets it all nice and open, turns to the elk statue, picks it up with the handkerchief, turns around, blap, Tobias. Yep. I didn't understand why he uh, he uh, used a handkerchief to I guess because he killed Tobias with it so he didn't want his uh, he, he just didn't want his fingerprints on the actual murder weapon though and see but that's the thing that I didn't understand I was like because once he does that you realize Hannibal set all this up he even set up the fact that he was having a session with Franklin. Because remember, he's the one who sent Will after Tobias. He pitted them against each other to see who would come out on top. So he was expecting either Will to show up or Tobias to show up. He had all of this planned. And then, um, so the reason I was wondering about it is because the fact that this guy attacks you in your practice. He is a killer. He, You're afraid for your life. You picking that up and hitting him with it would be perfectly within the realm. So it, that's what I didn't understand. So what, who cares if your fingerprints are on? Yeah. I would probably chalk it up to, you know, that's it's habit for him. Mm-hmm to make sure his prints aren't on a murder weapon. And then even that thing too, like when, uh, when Will and James and, and the cops show up, I was like, so how is he going to skate out of this? I'm, and I'm thinking this, like, how is he going to get out of this? I mean, it's, it's justifiable right. homicide, but 
it's still homicide. Like, and but it's like he managed to skate. Well, right out once of it again, he, as, when they questioned as, him about it, he even admitted that but, he killed Tobias in self-defense. He admitted that he killed him. So yeah, maybe it was just habit. I mean that that's all I can think. But but like even still, you know, you kill someone, even if it's justified, they're gonna put you, you know, they're gonna put you in jail until, you know, the, the trial and whatever. But then again, Hannibal's probably rich, so well, and he has the FBI to vouch. He also has the FBI to vouch. There's just one too, of those. So. Yeah. For me, I think that was like my first seeing the cracks starting to appear. And then also like like you you have your, your disdain for everything. And you know, this was one of the first panel. times that it didn't. And like I, this was actually, this, this killer had no connection to Hannibal. Which is one of the reasons why he was like, I, I, I saw the same thing in you, so I wanted us to be friends. So this was someone who actually didn't have a connection to Hannibal. He was just another serial killer that they happened upon. Mm. It was. Yeah. It was a good episode. Uh, and when I... When I... When I saw the dude, when I saw the yeah. murder victim, I was like, oh. That was rough. That was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next, I actually watched like the opening right before. I, I mean, I watched some of the next episode right before the opening, the like opening theme song. That's rough too. Like, mm. yeah, the next one, it, it looks like it's going to be, mm. it's, it's going to be pretty good. Um, so. We, we have that to look forward to. Um, but yeah, all in all, it was actually a really good episode and seemed much more back to form to the, you know, episodes, uh, it, like the first couple of episodes. Like, this was actually really good. I, I enjoyed this episode. And I, I, now I need more action. I need at least one murder fight every other episode now. <laughs> Cause that, uh, dude, it was great <laughs> though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Need and that's another fight, t-shirt man. idea. I mean, if we're gonna I be watching a show about a bunch of despicable, like fucking serial killers, the least we could do is get some murder fights out of them. Yeah, and it kind of crossed my mind too when they were when they yeah, were. Yeah, I was like, like oh, and I guess it makes fight. sense they would need to know how to fight because I mean they do go around murdering people. They're going to get into situations where the confrontation, you know, isn't just well I drugged you and now you're done. You know, they might have to. They like they might have to take somebody down. So yeah, self defense yeah, it makes sense. Indeed. Uh, one thing I had noted down too, um, and even James mentioned it. Let me see where it was. Uh, that he's wondering if it's getting easier for for Will to uh, drop into the into the mode. Yeah, and he was talking about shake, and Will was talking about I just I, you know I shake it off, right? Yeah. 
Uh, oh, and uh, Hannibal's yep, psychiatrist. Is that the chick that was in X-Files? Okay. I thought we'd already pointed that out. I thought we had already pointed out that that's who that was. She still looks good. Like, (laughs) I I have to admit, she still looks good. Yeah, that too. Your pension for redheads notwithstanding. But redheads either tend to be super hot or not very attractive. There doesn't seem to be too much in the way of middle ground there. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> you are not wrong. Um, yeah, so be interesting to see the, uh, the open of this next episode. Uh, I don't have much else, I don't think. Uh, um, let me see what I got. Any other notes. final thoughts for it? Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, and the the there were a bunch of little tidbits. Like one of the things that Hannibal says to Franklin that kind of teeters him back and forth is that during the section with Franklin, Hannibal makes the comment, "You are not a psychopath, but you may be attracted to them," alluding to the fact that he himself is a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, and the entire time when Bloom and uh, when Bloom and uh, Will were kissing, and they're 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 ki- they kiss like three or four times, I think, maybe two or three times, and in between each kiss, you know, she's like, "Well, I would just keep psychoanalyzing you. This is not good for us. It's not good for you. It's not good for me." And then they would kiss, and then you're right. And I was like, Will, I was like, in Will's position, just go, well, how about, and she was, he was like, uh, one of the things he said was, stop thinking so much. And she was like, because she, cause she brought up the fact that she thinks too much. And he was like, well, stop thinking so much. And I was like, well, how about, we? and I was like, dude, just be like, how about we just both turn our brains off, fuck like animals, you make sure you're not here in the morning, and I'll pretend it was all a dream. <laughs> That work, <laughs> but uh, uh, and while you were looking that up, I I found another one, another point. Like when you were talking about uh, Franklin trying to talk Tobias down, I, I yeah, put down in my notes, yeah. shut up. <laughs> Everyone involved with Franklin was pretty much done with his shit. <laughs> um. But I mean, that's why he's there for psych. That's why he was there for psychotherapy. I mean, um, there is uh, also, um, oh, it also felt very much like because Will has been confiding, like you know, the hallucinations and things like that, and also he, I think he told Hannibal about how it's easier for him to slip into the perspective of a, of a killer. I think Hannibal sent him after Tobias to push him more over the edge, and it was also an opening strike against Tobias. Um, and then there was uh, when he's talking to Scully, his psychiatrist, and she talks about how you spend a lot of time building walls, and it's natural, uh, because he was like, I think I may have found a friend. <laughs> 
And she's like, well, you know, you spend a lot of time building walls. And so it is natural for you to be interested and intrigued by someone who finds a clever way around those walls. And I was like, that's also a very human thing because we all make walls. That's what when you have a checklist for what kind of boyfriend or girlfriend that you want and you have an actual checklist of the things you're looking for, that's your wall. When guys talk about how women always have these little tests for them, that's their wall. When men have their tests for women, that's their wall. Everyone has psychological walls that they put up to protect themselves. So when there's someone who either just by the way their personality works or even if by knowledgeable intent, has a way around those walls, we become very attracted to them. Um, I know a lot of the time when we talk about how women are so interested in bad boys, because there is something he, in the way that he acts and treats them that gets around their psychological walls. And it's a very human thing to become attracted to and be, and want to be connected to a person who is able to get past your psychological walls. One, because it allows you to, to have that connection from a place of safety because you didn't have to bring any of your walls down. You didn't have to go outside your comfort zone. So this is also a double-edged sword. It's both good and bad. The good part is you found someone who seems – you look at that someone like that and you're like, this person understands me. This person knows me, right? And you can connect and interact with them from a place of safety, mm. But on the bad side is it means you never take down those walls, which means you lose a lot of opportunities elsewhere and you never have to come outside your comfort zone, which means you as a person never grow. You're still just staying who you are instead of improving. So it's a it's a it's a double edged sword with that whole wall sort of analogy. But I thought that was actually really good. Um Yep, yep, yep. I'm looking at. I, I'm reading the rest of my notes. Sorry. Oh, and there was also. Okay. So there was a thing that they did in the episode when Will goes to talk to Tobias. From the moment he gets into, from the moment he leaves the shop and takes his meds, when he goes back in, a musical score starts, and. He's checking the the first body, mm. finds the second body. Tobias attacks him, and as Tobias is attacking him, attacking him, the musical score gets frantic. It goes up, but when Will shoots his gun, the musical score stops, and you get the high whining Stop. of that their eardrums have been basically blown out by the shot. I thought that was really good. Um, good. Okay. Uh, green. And it is also implied at the end of the episode because they talk about how Hannibal and Scully have been talking, and I, I can't remember what her name in the show is, so I just call her Scully. Um, but they're talking about how she stopped being a psychiatrist yeah. because one of her patients attacked her. And then at the end of the episode, you find out that her attacker had mm -hmm. been killed. And she said she didn't feel responsible for his death. And then it pans to Hannibal and he looks at her and he's like, nor should you. And it's like, you motherfucker, you killed her attacker. 
<laughs> like you absolutely fucking did that shit. Um, I had a yeah. fun and a nice um, And I also thought it was interesting <laughs> when they were talking about the whole walls because I feel like there's a there's a dichot there. I don't. I'm not using that word right. I don't think, but I think there is a uh, there is a link between like John and then Will and then Hannibal it's the show basically presents that everyone is a serial killer right but everyone is in different stages of it and most people Mm -hmm. never get to the extreme which is Hannibal and Tobias and the other serial killers we've seen those are all the extremes most people are just in the stage where John is and where other people are. Like, we don't have, we may not have certain symptoms, we may not have certain tells, but everyone is capable of being a serial killer. Will is the representation of the transition because he's on that fine line between falling over into Hannibal's side where he becomes just a full-fledged serial killer and, you know, falling back into just being a slightly eccentric, weird person, right? Um, because even Dr. Bloom, I mm. bet you could find display serial killer tendencies. Because uh, remember, one of the things that makes a serial killer is a very high intelligence. Highly intelligent people are more prone to becoming serial killers. Mm. Um. So, the, I don't know. I while I was watching this episode, that's just what I saw in that. It's like so you have like normal people who have the potential. You have Will, who is literally the audience's representation of him teetering on the edge, and then you have Hannibal, which is the extreme, which is the end, which is basically that the the end. If he falls off, if Will falls off the edge, he's another Hannibal. But if he can, right? But if he can be pulled back, he's with the rest of us. So, I thought the episode did this. Really. This was this was the best episode since I think episode five. Uh, yeah, it was good. No denying that. That's all I got for that. All right. So, is that all we got? All right, let's. Welcome back, everybody. So, this was uh, another interesting Gerald pick for a main topic. So, hey, I gave you a lot of different options, and you were like, let's do this one. Mm-hmm. I gave you like four yeah. options. So, so you're just you're trying to put this on me, then I see how it is. Well, it is on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Merriam-Webster, the first entry in this definition: an object such as a small stone carving of an animal, believed to have magical power to protect or aid its owner. And if you don't oh, know yeah. what that is, it's a fetish. Yeah. 
other than that, uh, fetishes are typically referred to as a behavior that someone cannot get sexually aroused without. So how many yeah. do you have on your list? <laughs> quite a, yeah, quite a few. Uh, well, I guess not too many. Not, there are a lot of fetishes. Uh, I actually, here, give me a second, because I actually have, uh, I pulled up, I found a list of known fetishes. There are 239 known fetishes, and that might be in counting. There may be ones that haven't been listed on this list, um, or there might have been more since this list was made um yeah yeah 239 on this list um now fetishes uh, fetishes in uh a fetish in and of itself like uh david was saying is basically something that a person can't get aroused they can't get aroused without this object and a fetish is usually a inanimate object or a uh or like a body part or, or like a specific body part so like the biggest fetish in the world is the foot fetish that is the largest yeah. fetish in the world i was surprised too um second is hair and third is clothing. When I saw that hair was in the top three, I was like, oh shit, does Biden have a hair fetish? Is that why he's always <laughs> sniffing chicks? Is that what's going on? <laughs> it could be, but uh, he's got to be careful about that. They better be. He ain't gonna be careful about it. Apparently, it didn't matter. Like if it, dude, if Trump had been sniffing chicks' hair and invading their personal space, people would have lost their goddamn minds. But the left was like, the, the left didn't even explain it away. They just ignored it. <laughs> there are pictures of him doing it. I think there are even videos of him doing it. Pictures and videos, and yeah. uh, even even Pelosi uh, had made a comment that she's a member of the Arms Length Club. Yeah, which is people who keep him at an arm's length. Yeah, <laughs> like and all the women that you see in the pictures and the videos that he's doing it with are obviously uncomfortable, and he does it for like full minutes at a time, like. Mm -hmm. And so the left just ignored it. So when someone was telling, so when I was getting bitched at by one of my friends, well, you need to vote, man. You need to vote. Make sure Trump doesn't get back into office. And I'm sitting here like, dude, Biden's not going to be better. This dude is <laughs> openly invading women's personal space and sniffing him. He is an old enough person to understand that that is wrong and he shouldn't be doing it. He's doing it anyway. And the political party backing him is ignoring that he's doing it. Anyone else would be in jail right now. I even think there was a video of him giving his daughter like the longest, most uncomfortable kiss I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. 
dude, I don't want to get into that conversation. <laughs> I just don't. Like, rich people and the incest, it just... Mm. Rich people have been doing that since time began. Keep the bloodline pure. We're so much better than everyone. We can't be mixing with the commoners. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, China and... And this isn't all rich people, but it is too many of them, in my opinion. But China and this group of rich people who think they're so much better than everybody, like, always reminds me of uh, the one song, I know you like to think your shit don't stank, but lean a little bit closer and you'll see your roses really smell like boo-boo. Oh, your roses really smell like... Like, it always reminds me of that. And then it also reminds me of the part, it's like, I hope she's driving along the road at night and swerves off the road and crash, crash, crashes into a ditch. Bitch. <laughs> Love that song. And it's so good at describing how I feel about that shit. Like, go, uh, go fuck yourselves. Like, bunch of pretentious up their own asses. It's, uh. They act very much like the gods we used to believe in. Which is why I'm like, yeah, we need to get rid of this whole religion thing. It's got to go. And I'm not even an atheist. I'm ba- I'm a Christian, ba- Christian Baptist. And I'm still like, nah, this religion thing has got to go. It's a problem. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But back on topic. So you said foot, hair, and what was the third one? Foot, hair, and clothing, I think, was the other one. So people tend to have like fetishes for certain like underwear, like sniffing underwear. That's that mm. specifically they're talking about like sniffing underwear, normally soiled already, um, bras, things like that. Like per undergarments for the most part. Um because at first I saw clothing and I was like, really? I was like, huh. Maybe that's why when I see a really well-dressed chick, I go, man, she's packaged really well. Is it a weird, like, a sort of fetish for the clothes she's wearing? Huh. Um, It also explains people who have a fetish for, like, socks. Um, So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And there, uh, I found one specifically. Uh, There's one, Amazons and Authoritarians, which is a fetish dedicated to physically strong women like Amazons, women with strong personalities, or women in positions of authority. I had no idea that was a fetish. I have that. I love (laughs) huge Amazonian women. Like, even when I was in high school, there was this really tall girl on the volleyball team, and she was cute and toned, and I had the biggest crush on her no not uh not high school sorry middle school it was uh it was in middle school like she was taller than every other boy in our she was taller than every other boy in our school she was like six foot four six foot five or some shit in middle school yeah Oof. damn like she was tall um well no 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 I am exaggerating because in middle school, I was shorter than I am now. She was taller than every, she may not have been that tall, but she was taller than everyone else. So if in middle school, we were all still growing, let's say, let's say the average height was like five, three, 
and you had girls who were shorter than that and guys who were a little bit taller than that, she was probably as tall as I am now, and I'm 5'10". Or, no, I'm 5'11". So, but she was taller than everyone else in our in the, she was taller than every other boy in the school only the adults were her height like the adult males they were her height she was taller than all the other adult women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. apparently i've had that fetish for a long time um there's one that caught me that was really weird it's called chasmophilia which is being aroused by crevices, caverns, or valleys. And I tried to look more into this, and I can't find any information on it other than that there are sites where you're invited to join groups that go on, like, uh, cave hikes and stuff into caves because that is arousing to them. Mm-hmm. Uh. I found one for anastomophilia. I'm not pronouncing that right. I know I'm not. And it's a fetish for people over extreme sizes, i.e. a giant or a dwarf. It can be used to refer to attraction to partners of differing heights, even if those people aren't especially gigantic or tiny. Um, Which I would assume is pretty common because most women want... um, the, The average woman looks for a man who's taller than herself. So I assume that's what that is. Um, and then I found this one, lithophilia, a kink for rocks, stones, or gravel. Why? Mm, look at the curves on that rock. <laughs> Just, so all of those like Renaissance statues are constantly in danger from these people because they're <laughs> sculpted rocks in the form of naked people. <laughs> I'd like uh, humans will fuck anything. <laughs> will fuck anything. Now, there's a psychology behind fetishes. And most fetishes develop in a person's teenage years, but they can develop as early as four years old. Apparently, fetishes are more common in men than they are women, which I find odd because it's just what arouses you so i find it odd that it is more often like the way it is said it makes it sound like uh women there the majority of women have no fetishes whatsoever and i don't believe that i think everyone has at least one or two kinks i i like it it doesn't make sense to me that there are people unless they're asexual um, and that's basically a person who has no sexual arousal for anything, period. And that's its own condition, right? Um, but apparently <clears throat> fetishes are often uh, developed during these years because we, uh, we connect our own pleasure and sexual arousal with certain things that we experience, whether that be trauma or particular pleasurable events that have happened to us. So that's basically how a fetish works. So if, uh, I don't know, you were 13 and you ran into a 13-year-old girl or boy and some of their fetish play was playing with your genitals with their feet and that aroused you enough to orgasm, you might have a thing for feet when you're an adult. 
<laughs> um, that ever happened to me at 13, but to each their own. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, there's very little actual study on this, and what studies have been done are usually very small control groups, so they've been trying to do bigger and bigger groups. Um, now, fetishism is not completely harmless. There are a lot of fetishes that are dangerous, like asphyxiation. There are ones involving uh, heat application. There are ones involving uh, knives and pens. Those can all be very dangerous. And there are a lot of other ones that are also very dangerous. Um, and fetishes can easily become the, sa the same, can have the same kind of addictive qualities as drugs or alcohol. So they can become very, they can negatively impact a person's life in the exact same way. Um, Let's see. See, I had, I had heard, and it's probably just an internet story, but I have heard of a, a there was a guy who was, who, his, uh, his fetish was BDSM, and he ended up going to the ER because he cut his wean off. Yes, yeah, that's also a fetish. Uh, body amputation. Um, I forget the exact. I, I I read it in the list, and I forget exactly what it's called. But yeah, the removal of another person's body part as part of your arousal is a fetish, and it's very dangerous depending on how it's done and what part is removed. Yeah, I would I would almost kind of say it's a one shot fetish because I mean, unless you get it medically reattached, well, you can't really do it a second time. And there are also fetishes for people who are just missing body parts. There are people who have fetishes for people who might be missing an arm or who are missing a or who are missing a leg or missing all of their appendages. So there's also that. <laughs> and and just uh just to preface all of this, we're not king shaming anyone. If you have one of these fetishes. As long as, you, as long as it's consensual, you're not diddling kids, you're not hurting anybody, go for it. Yeah. As long as it's, as long as it's consensual for someone who can give consent and no one's getting hurt, hey, do what you want. I ain't going to judge. Um, just, you know, be safe about it. Don't get yourself hurt either. Um, there are – and there's, of course, the really nasty fetishes – for like uh, excretions, there's that. Pooping on you? Yeah, pooping, golden showers. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's fetishes for laying in uh, sexual discharges after sex. There's fetishes for that. Uh, there's pretty much fetishes for almost everything you can think of. Um, that's why I'm like 239 is probably in counting. Those are just the ones that have been <laughs> confirmed and documented. Um, there's fetishes for people who like to uh, stop orgasms. Basically, they uh, attach certain things to your genitalia to keep you from having an orgasm. And they deny you the orgasm altogether, even while arousing you to it. There's, or there's fetishes for that. Uh, there's, there's of course BDSM, uh, there's of course, uh, beatings. There was another one where they use like cups that they put on your back and then they put like a flame under the cup 
and it causes suction from the cup, which leaves red welts on the back. There's a fetish for that. Um, mm. It's just all manner hey, me, of freaky shit. Do like? Let me give a couple. Okay. Uh, well, go ahead and finish your thought, and then I'll give a couple. Okay. Well, here, I'll read this out, as, uh, and then I'll hand it over to you. Uh, the word fetish was first coined by the French uh, psychologist Alfred Binet in 1857 through 1911, who is arguably best known for inventing the earliest tests. Fetishes rarely develop into an offense that harms anyone, although offenses may include things like theft of underwear or cutting of hair from an unwilling victim, Dude, Biden is teetering right on the edge of that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Sexual fetishes may also involve some kind of enhancement of a sexual act, such as a person being asked to wear a particular piece of clothing by the fetishist during, e.g. leather outfit or fishnet stockings. Uh, Fetishes usually male are often unable to orgasm without the fetish present, and the fetish can be established as young as four years old, which I stated earlier. Uh, Also, there are some fetishes that Arousal is not the game is not the actual end goal, but the fetish in itself relaxes the person. So, mm. uh, uh, interpret that as you will. <laughs> but go ahead, dude. Mm. So, I've got a list from Yahoo. It's A to Z. I'm not going to go over every single one of them, but uh, so the first one A is for age play. So this fetish can be as simple as the female partner calling the male partner daddy, the male partner calling the female baby, to uh, more extreme as uh, wearing diapers. Uh, uh, there was a SVU episode about this where the it was like this Fortune 500 CEO. But his he had a he had an age play fetish where like his girlfriend would have to change his diapers. He had like a an adult size crib. He would wear like the classic baby outfits, like that weird fucking hat and the diaper and like a baby t shirt. Um. So there's that one. Um, now this one, um, this one is probably more kink shamed by people who don't understand it. Mm -hmm. I personally don't get it, but like I said, as long as you're not hurting anybody, diddling kids or whatever, go for it. Cuck holding. What is that? This this is the fetish where the male partner will watch the female partner having sex with another man. Oh yeah. There's a fetish for that. Uh, there's all women also prescribe to that fetish as well. That's why I'm like, it, it, it seems odd to me that it is primarily like, it is more often fetishes are found in men. I mean, we, we're considered the more sexual side of the, uh, of the two, of the two halves of the species. Like, you know, we, we want to fuck all the time. But it's it's just how we're wired, right? Um, but I still find it weird that it's like, well, men are primarily the ones with fetishes because that just that just doesn't make sense. Uh, I would assume everyone would have fetishes. Now, I could see it. Men are primarily the ones with the most fetishes. I could absolutely see that. Um, 
just not that we're the ones primarily with it. So, right. But continue. Oh, this one's interesting. Electrostimulation. Yeah, playing with electricity. <laughs> yep. So, I think it's kind of a little self-explanatory. Genitals are hooked up to uh, electricity and stimulated. There's, uh, if you peruse wish.com, you see, you can see a lot of this kind of stuff there for sale. Yeah. Um, this one's an interesting one too. The humiliation fetish. Yep. And there was a, oh God, there was a show on Netflix where um, it was a, a gay friend, like, like this gay guy had a, had a friend he actually had sex with her once but then he you know he realized he was gay he runs into her again as an you know and they're both adults and it turns out she's a dominatrix and mm-hmm. he goes to he goes to work with you know he starts helping her out with her clients and one of them uh, has the humiliation fetish mm-hmm. to where he he can't get off unless he's being insulted and it was and for him it was specifically insulting the size of his uh, genitalia. (laughs) Yeah. Of his penis. Of his penis, folks. We're talking about his penis. (laughs) I know know how we're kind of like we're kind of like we're kind of like stepping around saying the words. (laughs) Right. But I think we know why we're all here. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm surprised that well okay so this one uh, is probably a more common um, for lack of a better word vanilla fetish mm-hmm. uh, impact play so spanking yeah um, even calling uh, women calling men daddy and men calling women baby is just a normal term of endearment nowadays like no one even sees it as a age uh, fetish that it started out as. Mm. Like it's just basically uh, normal at this point. I always thought it was weird when some chick would call me or some, or any guy daddy. That was always weird to me. I was like, why, <laughs> why? That's weird. And it was normally women with daddy issues. Mm. Isn't it? So this one has a. Uh... This one's filed under J, but to say it in the proper language is called Kenpaku, or Japanese bondage, which is the tying ropes real tight around breasts, you know, like basically trussing you up and hog tying you, super tight. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd be able to uh, partake in that one. I kind of have a mild claustrophobia. So, yeah, that's, I don't think that one's for me. So here's another one, uh, Clismophilia. Want to take a guess as to what this fetish is? No, I, 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 um, I, is it a bad one? Uh, no, not necessarily. I hope you like getting enemas up your butt. That's what that one oh, was. the enema one. Yes, yeah, all that one too. I was like, why? <laughs> but I mean, when you 
But I mean, when you uh, when you think about it, there is also the fact that pregnant women will orgasm during uh preg- during birth. So I mean, oh, they'll do more than that. They'll uh, they'll shit on the on the table too. Yeah, and an enema is basically just anal. So I mean, people get off on that. Well, and also specifically uh, for for males. Uh, your extra erogenous zone is in your butt. And that's, uh, it's that one thing that if you get cancer in it, you're doomed. Yeah. Which is so weird. It's like, <laughs> people always say like, God put the recreational center next to the sewage plant. It's like, <laughs> really? Why? Like, why in the world? Like, why in the world would you put a man's erogenous zone up his butt? That's just the weirdest thing. Uh, what's it? Uh, God's laughing up in heaven. Like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Somehow I feel like he is always laughing at us. So how about P for pregnancy fetishism? No, no, that was one I saw too. To be fair, some some women are sexy when they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. Oh, oh God, I've contracted it. No. <laughs> so here's a here's an interesting name for this particular fetish: queerophilia, and it's not what you think. It's a fetish for hands, fingers, a great manicure. Oh. What's that? Go ahead. I made a mistake. It's not clothing. It's feet, hair, and hands. There we go. Feet, hair, and hands. Ah. So, my apologies. Uh, and then the uh, the inanimate object one is clothing, which is normally soiled underwear. Um, and then it's shoes, and then something else. Uh, where was it? Uh, uh, shoes, gloves, and then on underwear. Yeah, shoes, gloves, and underwear for uh, for uh, inanimate objects. Hmm. Okay. So, how about this one, Gerald? You seen any sexy ghosts lately? Uh, not since Ghostbusters. So if you have spectrophilia, you'd be looking for them ghosts with the thick thick thighs and booty claps. <laughs> How do you even gain a fetish of that? It must be for like animated ghosts or like movies, because otherwise, how could you even get that fetish? Hmm. Well, if, if you if you were to believe it, although I don't know why they... So, this, this part of the article says a succubus is a ghost in lady form. Uh, that's not my understanding of it. I thought a succubus was a female sex demon. Yeah, that's my understanding, and is the understanding of most lore on succubuses. There are ghosts who act in, like, a succubus manner, where they do, like cause dreams or come to men or women in the night 
uh, for sex. And then you have that one movie about the entity where the woman was being, you know, violated by a ghost on the regular. Um, but now, uh, Succubus. Hmm? Scary movie. <laughs> there was a, well, there that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. But yeah, but uh, on the whole, succubuses are female demons who prey on men uh, by visiting them in the night and having sex with them to feed on their life force. And then you have incubuses for women. So. Oh, uh, so can you guess what the T is on this list? Mm -mm. I'll give you a hint. It comes from Japan. Uh, the tea? Mm -hmm. uh, I think the blue girl was one that, that had this particular fetish in it. Oh, tentacle? Mm-hmm. Tentacle porn. Now, or tentacle porn or just fetishes for, like, tentacles and things? Yes, both. So uh, this, this part of it says um, you, you can't get animals to consent, so don't try. But Bad mm -hmm. Dragon has a line of toys that might be able to help you if you have a oh, particular fetish. Yeah, that was brought up on my list as well. Because uh, Bad Dragon makes basically uh, dragon dildos that even mm -hmm. ejaculate. But that is another fetish. That's not like tentacle fetish. That's actually a dragon fetish. It, I, I forget the exact name for it, but it, it is actually an arousal for dragons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's been a video or two. Yeah, we, uh, me and uh, two of my friends, uh, Dom and Jess, were just sitting around watching the, uh, some of the uh, some of those videos because they do like full length videos when they're uh, when they're uh, showcasing their dildos, and we were sitting around laughing our asses off because they did one as a, a rendition of. Um, Godzilla's first movie when he like the first ever showing of Godzilla when he comes out of the ocean and just like walks through Tokyo they did they did like a dildo like full it was like six six minutes long I think it was and it just like it was so hilarious dude it was literally just just fucking Godzilla coming up out of the ocean and tearing through this town it was fucking hilarious hmm all right, so here's one that could be safe as long as everyone consents or dangerous if you're doing it on the sneak. Voyeurism. Yeah, voyeurism. Which anyone who watches porn has a little bit of that in them. Because that's all porn really is, is voyeurism. Unless you're one of the actors in it. You are not incorrect. Uh... So there's whipping, but that, well, yeah, I guess whipping would be a little different than just spanking. Uh, cat of nine tails. Just please don't put fish hooks in them. 
Right. Like my skin where it's at. Uh, you also, you brought this, you kind of hinted at it, but uh, wax play. So, you know, dropping candle wax on bare skin. Yeah. Uh, ex- uh, exercise that fetish very carefully if you if you partake in it, because that's uh, that can be very dangerous. Yeah. So this one is, it's more personal, I guess. It'd be for solo play, but uh, yoni eggs. It's something you, you put in your prison wallet, um, vagina, of course, I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I guess it, it helps, it triggers some erogenous zone inside, but you have to be very careful with them because some of these yoni eggs can be made are made from crystal. Uh, and they can crack and they cut, and I assume you see they cut themselves. Yeah, so be careful with that. If you, uh, if you, if you partake of that particular fetish. And then the last one on this list is zappers. So this, this one kind of plays in with electrostimulation. So it's a wand that you zap your partner. Yeah, uh, I know there are fetishes for like cattle prods and things like that too. So in my searching, I came across two websites. Um, I don't think any of our listeners are over the age of 50, but if you are and you like BDSM, I've got just the site for you. (laughs) SeniorBDSM.com. Bondage and spanking for seniors. Hmm. I'm so glad my grandparents are dead because I do not want to picture that. <laughs> right, come on, Bessie. You're Let never you too friend. you're never too old to get down. And then of course there's also uh, BDSM dating. So of course there, there's probably a dating website for everything. Yeah. Pretty much. And if it's not mainstream, look for it, you'll find it. There just if you are gonna look for like a fetish group like BDSM or something that some a, a group that's into your particular fetish, be very, very careful about doing it online because you never know mm. what kind of people they are. So always investigate, investigate, investigate. Do your homework to make sure that you are safe in meeting with those people. Uh, uh, you have anything, any others to, to list off? Cause uh, our, our listener and my neighbor, uh, Dan, uh, actually, when I was talking to him yesterday about the podcast, he brought something up uh, related to fetishes and uh, I'll save that for, you know, once you're finished with, with your list. Well, the, dude, the list is 239 strong. Do you want to go through all 239? Well, any any that might have piqued your interest when looking. Mm, let's see. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. I did have something. I did want to point out something. So I also found a list of celebrities who have 
come out mm. about certain fetishes that they have. Um, so, Scarlett Johansson. This is also a fetish. There's a fetish for locations, like in kitchens or in bathrooms or in, you know, seedy alleys behind the bowling, the, you know, the bowling alley. Uh, um, and Scarlett Johansson has this fetish. And she spe her specific location is in the backs of cars. Mm. She gets really raunchy when she's in the back of a car. <laughs> uh, Kirsten Stewart has a armpit licking fetish. Having hers licked and doing the licking. Um, Ava Longoria likes to tie people up. Mm. Okay, this is this one. This one's oof. Shaquille O'Neal has a fetish that I can't that I, I also found on the list, and it is a fetish for menstrual blood. And apparently, for for a good while, if maybe still, he was being called a bloodhound because of it. He apparently has a fetish for women during their cycle. Oof. <laughs> Sorry. I oof no I don't. Um, so a quick add on to that, my my friend Jared um, had a had a quote: "A real man loves his woman every day of the, of the month." Uh, I guess I'm not a real man then. That's okay. I'll pass. <laughs> yeah. Um, Christina Aguilera has a fetish for latex. So a type of clothing. Um, also, yeah, there are also fetishes for leather as well. There are people who really get aroused by leather. Um, uh, Angelina Jolie has a fetish for blood. During sex with certain partners, they would cut each other and taste each other's blood. I believe that. I also heard now this is I guess hearsay, but uh, when she was married to um, Billy Bob Thornton, they would carry vials of each other's blood. Is like, that what that was about? Because I heard about that too. Yeah. Huh. That makes sense now. I didn't even yeah, put two and two together it? until you said it. That makes sense now. Yeah. Um. Apparently, Will and Jada P and Jada Smith are exhibitionists. They enjoy having naughty time in public places and getting away with it. Mm. Don't If you're friends with Will and Jada, don't turn your back on them. Chances are they fucked on your kitchen table and you just don't know. <laughs> well, I think exhibitionism is more in public. Well, exhibitionism is supposed to be like it, you're, you're in the middle of the street banging, right? Like out in the open, so I don't think they mean like extreme exhibitionism. Um, I think it's just uh, there's another name for it where you really get aroused when uh, you're having sex in a place you're not supposed to, like in the closet at work or uh, like in the uh, back room at your kid's daycare, 
or you know, <laughs> no, no, it, not the backseat of the car. It's specifically in places you know you shouldn't be doing it, like in a church, right? Mm. Like you know you're not supposed to be doing it in those places. You could get it, it. It's it's the thrill that anyone at any time could walk in on you and you could get caught. It's that kind mm. of thing. Um, I know there's a name for it, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, there's like 25 of these. So yeah, for any of you who are like, I don't have any kinks, dude, it's okay. You're allowed to have kinks. Even some of your favorite celebrities have kinks. Everyone has one. Like, I don't care who you are. Everyone has a minimum of one, even if you don't realize it. <laughs> oh, apparently Justin Timberlake is also in the exhibitionism. <laughs> that's kind of hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's pretty much my reaction. Can't say I'm surprised. Okay, well, unless we want to go through the rest of the list because there's like 25 of these. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I say. So fetishes, like everyone has them. Be safe about it. Don't get yourself in trouble. Don't get yourself hurt. Uh, make sure it's consensual with someone who can give consent. And outside of that, go out and have uh, go have fun with that shit. Um, that now there are people who it becomes negative for because they feel like their fetish is shameful, and so they keep it bottled up. For anyone who thinks that way, understand that your fetish, like, once again, as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're, it is consensual with someone who can have consent, there's nothing wrong with your fetish. But if you are having issues, there is therapy for that stuff, and you can find people to go and get therapy from. And you should seek out that therapy because it is harmful for you to feel so ashamed of it and keep it bottled up like that. So I do advise anyone listening to this or anyone who knows someone like this, yes, seek out actual psychiatric help for that kind of thing. Louis C.K. comes to mind because he had the uh, watch me jack off fetish. And that, that got him in trouble. <clears throat> well, that only got him in trouble because the women involved just fucking – because the women involved – made a bigger deal of it than it was and that's not me that don't don't get me wrong i am not condoning any kind of bad behavior here but as much as i know about the situation and listeners feel free to correct me but from what i know of the situation he always asked for consent and was mm -hmm. given it before he ever just pulled his dick out and started jerking it right so the there was no – like, if you don't tell him to stop, why wouldn't he do it if that's what gets him off? You actually have to say no. And as far as I am aware, anytime someone told him no, he just put his dick back in his pants and walked off. There was mm. never an issue. Right. So <laughs> – like and, and once again, that's as far as I know. If there is information out there that contradicts what I am saying, by all means, let us know through the ways that you can contact us. But let us know. But as far as I know, and I, I looked this up because there were other celebrities who were, who were literally going, there was never a point in time when he forced anyone to watch him do this. Period. Right. 
And then all the people involved who were making accusations, the only things they were saying was, well, this is what he did. Right? <laughs> they were like, he would ask, and then he would take it out, and he would do it. And it was like, and, and at no point in time were they ever asked, well, did you tell him to stop? And no. No one ever asked them that. And they never stated that they did. They never stated that they were like, we told him to stop, and we told him no. Mm. It, at no point in time. Right. Well, uh, this famous person is actually in the news now for his um, fetish and the way he treated um, significant others. Uh, Mr. Brian Warner, or you might know him by his stage name, Marilyn Manson, is in trouble for uh, uh, one of his exes, Evan Rachel Wood, uh, was sharing details about how he treated her. And uh, Dale, I meant Dale, he was telling me about this, that, you know, uh, Manson would tie her up, beat her, starve her. Um, so, like, one of, one of the, uh, where'd it go? She, she's alleging that when she was underage, after, that's uh, made by... Okay, so she was threatened to have uh, photos released, have uh, underage photos of her released, I guess, by uh, Manson's wife um, after being given large amounts of drugs and alcohol after Manson performed on Halloween in Vegas to ruin her career and shut me up. Now, I, I, I didn't know who this actress was, but she evidently stars in Westworld. Hmm. And she's not the only one who said things about Manson and his particular tastes. Right. So that was just something Dale had mentioned to me to maybe mention in the podcast. And did you know Marilyn Manson is 52 years old. I didn't know, but I can believe it. Yeah. <sighs> so many famous people getting so old. Yeah, well, dude, time well, marches had... on. <laughs> <laughs> time marches on, and it waits for no one. Indeed. Uh, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up then with our final thoughts. Okay. Um, uh, so Hannibal, I feel like back to form in this episode. Really enjoyed it. I hope the rest of the series continues along this path, along this vein. It, I I really enjoyed this episode. Um, uh, Mandalorian. I'm hoping we'll get back to seeing Din start making good decisions again because. <laughs> Uh, is it just me? Maybe it's just me. Is it just me or have some of his decisions been questionable as compared to the way he was making decisions in season one? Yeah, questionable, but then, um, you know, like you said, season one was him trying to find the child. Now season two is him trying to get the child where the child needs to go. So it's... Uh, I almost want to say it's like he's got that um, 
or what's that word I always use? Um, damn it, I can't think of it. But like he's got the, now he's got also the child to worry about, so it's clouding his judgment. Mm. Like you, like you said, he's not thinking things through, and he jumps into the fucking mama core, you know, tank. Yeah. What is that fucking word I use? I I can't think of it, but yeah. Hopefully, but we're gonna. It's it's not gonna be just Din after this. I don't think, because I've already watched the the uh, next episode, and two familiars from the first season come back. And then when they get Ahsoka, he'll also have her there to uh, hopefully curb his uh, knee-jerk decisions. Mm, hopefully. Oh, hopefully. So, is Ahsoka going to be traveling with him for a significant part of this season? That I don't know. Okay. Because I keep hearing that she just shows up at, like, the last episode. It could be. I'm not sure. But uh, someone else also shows up at the last episode. It would be interesting to see, to hear your reaction to it, unless you already know. I don't. I've been watching them episode to episode. I haven't been skipping ahead or nothing. Good. Can't wait to find out. Can't wait to hear your reaction to this then. Okay. It's going to be interesting. We'll see. So Mandalorian, uh, still, I still enjoy the show, which I guess is the most important thing. I still enjoy the show. Um, but, uh, Still enjoying the show. I, I I don't know. I hope they get that aimlessness under control. Uh, you know, not too long. But, you know, I hope they get it under control in short order so that the rest of the season will be better. Um, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, fetishes. Everyone's got them. You're not a weirdo. You're not alone. If you feel that way, you know, get help. There's help. There are people you can talk to. Uh, be safe about it. Uh, consensual with people who can get consent and go have fun. Enjoy your day. Um, Silento getting charged for murder and put in jail. Good. Good. <laughs> Good. Um. Past that, uh, that's it for that. Past that, that's all I got to say about it. <laughs> right? So your feedback, listeners, is important to us. I can't stress that enough. If you would like to get in touch with us to let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like us to, any topics you'd like us to cover, you've got ways to get in touch with us. You can... Follow us and hit us up on Twitter, which is GSPcast. Our locals page is gspodcast.locals.com. And I'm hoping to get a uh, like a bonus episode behind the scenes kind of thing going with locals. So if we can get enough people to follow us, we can start doing that. Um, Facebook, you can find us at GSCast. I've uh, started re- reworking that page. And if if anything else, you can send us a a good old-fashioned email, 
gamingsessions.podcast at gmail.com. And Crit just asked us if we were casting today or if it was at Saturdays, and I just told him we're finishing up. So, okay. Poor Crit. <laughs> and on that note, go ahead and send us out. Okay. Well, thank everybody for joining us again on another uh, podcast. Hopefully, you'll join us again. Uh, continue having a good day. I hope you have a good week. Be safe out there, and we'll talk to you again next time. Later. Bye, everybody.